0: It's got a soul, this here old farm It falls asleep inside my arms We walk the fields under the stars for love is here, here Gold Shaw Farms
1: So right now, as I'm recording this, it's pretty late for me I'm uh, standing outside the side of our house, standing in front of the maple evaporator. I've been boiling sap all afternoon trying to make some maple syrup. It started out a day in the upper 30s, nice and warm but now it's really starting to drop down and get cold and it's probably in the teens at this point. But, I gotta admit, I'm really happy right now. This is the kind of afternoon I always dreamed about when I lived in the city. You know, being out here, working around the farm, boiling sap and sugaring. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm Morgan Gold. This is the podcast where we bring you stories about people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And I know out there right now there are a number of urbanites listening to this podcast. I've been seeing your Facebook comments. I've been getting your emails. I really appreciate the support. And I say to all of you who are out there listening and dreaming of some sort of life in a homestead or a farm in the future, you should really keep working towards it because it can happen for you. And it just takes hard work and persistence. I have a a friend. Her name is Serena Nell. She and her husband, Ian, live up in uh, British Columbia, Canada. And they were a couple of urbanites as well who a while back made the decision that First, they wanted to turn their urban and then suburban homes into food-producing landscapes. And then in the last year or so, they decided that, you know what, let's take this one step further and go at a bigger scale. And they bought a farm. And they are just starting to run a farm business. And uh, Serena, you guys might know her. She's got a, a YouTube channel called You Can't Eat the Grass. They also have a, a, a new vlog channel that they just started up called You Can't Eat the Grass Vlog. Um, it's some great content. You can learn a lot by watching those guys. I think the other thing, though, that I, I love about Serena is that she's got strong viewpoints and a really unique perspective. And so, The other day, I was having a conversation with Serena and I decided to share that with you guys for today's episode. So without blathering on any further, here's Serena Nell of You Can't Eat the Grass.
0: Where we live now, Kelowna, BC, Canada, uh, is where I grew up. And then I moved to Victoria to go to university. And that's where Ian and I met each other. And like growing up, I always thought that I wanted to live near the ocean. I always thought living near the ocean would be super, super cool. And so then I moved to the ocean. And then I realized how much I missed living in this kind of agricultural area that we're in. And so once I was there, I was just desperate to get back to Kelowna. And so I brought Ian here a few times, and he was like, "Yeah, we we gotta get we gotta get back there." So then we moved back together.
1: Did Did you grow up with a farming background or agricultural background? No,
0: no. Um, growing up, my mom was super into growing flowers. So like she had like classic, you know, suburban neighborhood type situation. Like that's where I grew up, like in, you know, kind of a classic suburb. Everything was like new builds and it was like all young families. Everyone's kind of, you know, very homogenous. And she got super obsessed with growing flowers and things like that. So I grew up with her being really passionate about that, but I never really cared too much about that. Um, but maybe out of there, I, I got passionate about growing food because as soon as I moved out on my own, I got my first garden. When I moved to Victoria, um, I got a community garden plot. And so pretty much, you know, from, from 20 onwards, I've, I've been growing, growing food.
1: And, and what motivated you to start with like a, you know, uh, a community garden given like, you know, you're 20, you're well, in college, you know, you, <laughs> it, like what would, what would be the motivator there to start, you know, taking your time to do something like that?
0: Um, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what it was about growing food that, that was so like interesting to me. Um, I've always been very frugal, so The idea of free food was was definitely an inspiration to having the garden. Um, You know, like I didn't have much much money when I was going to school, so having that garden meant that I had food that I didn't have to buy. Um, And then the community garden was just practical. Like I lived in an apartment, so I didn't have a space that I could grow in. If I wanted to grow food, I had to be part of a community garden where I could have the space to grow food. But yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, 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 I don't really know. Like it, it's, it's one of those things that obviously I've, I've been thinking about a lot lately, you know, as, as I'm going further and further into growing food, but I, I don't know. Like I, it was just something that has always interest me. And then the more I've been able to, pursue it kind of the more like the bigger it's gotten
1: it's definitely seems like it always goes in phases right you know you're using as small as possible and available to you space to grow your own food but then from there you want to scale up and then it's okay let me do a yard and then let me move to a farm and like it it, yeah it's a progression that happens to a lot of people
0: well the funny thing about the community garden is it was a a thousand square feet it was massive like I, I didn't even realize what I was getting myself into because I'd never had a garden, and I was like, yeah, sure, like chunk of land, throw some seeds in. Went to the dollar store, bought some seeds, put the seeds in the ground, and then the summer rolled around, and I didn't, I like, I didn't have a car. I was like taking the bus, and it was like two buses away, <laughs> so I like, I'd go there after work, and I'd come home, and I'd be carrying all the produce I could physically carry home with me. And, you know, it was just me single. And I was like, what am I going to do with six bags of green beans? Like, everyone, please eat this food. You know, like, it's amazing how much you can do in a thousand square feet. And it was amazing that these community gardens were that big.
1: Well, a thousand square feet, I mean, that's really big for a community garden. I'm picturing, like, in New York, where it's like these four (laughs) by four plots or three by three plots, that are, you know, just stacked up in, in, in these rows. And you've got very, very limited space that a thousand square feet. That's like most people's gardens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's the garden we put in here last year. It's <laughs> I, huge. I was gonna <laughs> say
1: that it's about the size of our kitchen garden here. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, but you could easily feed like a whole family off of a thousand square feet. Oh yeah,
0: probably. for sure. Like when, when, so the next, like, so from there I had that and then it eventually like it was too much. It got to the point with school because I was like working and doing school full time and, and I just couldn't keep up with it on my own. And so I had to, had to get rid of that. And then when Ian and I moved here, we lived in a trailer. And so we specifically moved into, into like a mobile home because our budget only allowed us to kind of have like either a basement suite or a mobile home as like the rental housing we could afford. And a mobile home came with a yard, whereas a basement suite didn't. So we went for that so we could have a garden, you know, and then that, at that point, that's when we had our like, you know, four by 10 tiny little garden that held like a zucchini plant and a couple tomatoes. And then we gardened there for a few years until we bought our, our home, which had like a fairly large, um, for an urban lot yard. And in there it like when we first moved in, it was just grass it, when Ian put in our first garden, he took all the grass to the dump, and everyone was like, "Why are you throwing? why are you throwing sod out? Don't you know, like leftover sod can get like someone would take this? We're like, "Oh no, this isn't sod. this is like the grass we're removing from our yard, but yeah, so at that point then then we had the thousand square foot garden again, well, and then the-
1: and that's that's the origin of your YouTube channel name. Is is that? Trick yeah. in the Dump basically.
0: Well, so so that was our very first garden. I mean, okay. So the bigger the bigger picture of where we live, because where we live is kind of influences a little bit of what we do. Um, but to have a garden is is like no big deal here. So like everyone has has a garden. Like all of our friends, like everyone at least has like a tiny little couple tomatoes growing in in a pot. So to put in a 1000 square foot garden in your backyard isn't isn't weird at all. It's it's pretty typical. And if you were to walk down the alley of that neighborhood, like every single yard has has a vegetable garden. And then so we did that and that got bigger and bigger and then eventually we ran out of space in the backyard and we're like, "Okay, well it's time to convert the front yard into growing food." And that's when we ripped out the grass in the front yard. When and like our front yard had had a sidewalk that everyone would walk their dogs up and down. It was like a like a you know common pedestrian area. And so working out in our front yard, everyone would stop and chat with us. And they all wanted to know what we were doing. And they're like, "Why are you getting rid of your grass?" And then you can't eat the grass. That's uh. the best, <laughs> that's that's the origin. Like we literally we were saying it to, to everyone who'd walk by
1: yeah. as our justification it's funny that you should talk about your sort of neighbors stopping to see you working on your garden in the front yard, because I think the only other person I know of from Kelowna is uh, Curtis stone. Right. And he has sort of a similar story of how his, his farm kind of took off with, you know, gardening in the front yard and gardening within his neighbor's yards. Right.
0: Yeah. And to put our situation into context, we're like part of the social group that Kurt's in. Like we know Kurt like before he started his farm. So like that, that's our group of friends. And obviously, like you know, what he's doing isn't isn't what like our group of friends is doing. But like to me, it's not surprising to to hear what Kurt's like still doing. That's that's very you know the growing culture is alive in in Kelowna. Like,
1: how how much do you think that that influences things? I mean, you know, being in community, having friends who are doing things of a similar vein that it sort of empowers you and motivates you to try to pursue something similar.
0: Um, I think it's, it's definitely helpful. Like, for example, be, like I've only grown seedlings for a couple of years now. And before that, I actually had a friend who was growing all my seedlings for me. And, you know, there's tons of years where I've gone in with people and done like bulk buys on seeds so it's like, oh, like, you know, th- three of our friends get together and it's like, what do you want? We'll split a seed pack. So, it, you know, it it gives you these these ways to learn about new things too, I guess. Like if, if you have a whole group of people who are constantly learning different tips and tricks, then you have a pretty good pool of knowledge to, to pull off of. I don't know if that makes
1: sense. No, it, def- it definitely does, definitely does. So now you guys went from kind of a something that sounds like suburban type neighborhood to you're now on a farm essentially. So yeah, farm- well,
0: so we like Kelowna is not massive. Kelowna is like 100 to 150 thousand people. So we were actually like the neighborhood right beside downtown. So like we like when when you think urban like downtown Manhattan. It's definitely, that's not urban that we were, but we, like our place was as urban as Kelowna gets. And then the area that we live in now is, we refer to it as the suburbs because we're about, you know, 25 minutes from downtown now. But, I don't know.
1: and, And what's your place like now?
0: So, we are on a two and a half acre agricultural property. Um, in British Columbia, we have protected agricultural land. It's called the agricultural, agricultural Land Reserve, and it's land that's been protected from cities being able to enforce laws that would prevent you from farming. So... Even though our property is like two and a half acres, we're kind of in this area where there's a lot of like five acre properties to like 10 acre properties. And it's like, it's pretty farming. Like right now I can look out my window every direction and I'm just surrounded by orchards. Um, there's the Okanagan has really good growing for doing fruit trees. We're super dry here. We, we only really get rain in June. So it works really well to do, to do the fruit because it doesn't, the rain doesn't destroy the crops in the summer. You basically get a rain when the fruit sets and then like the, the fruit can just grow. So there's not a ton of like vegetable farms around us, but it's, it, it's interesting. It's a whole mix of you know agricultural type stuff and then when we moved here the property was just blank it it was previously used like the people who lived here had a pet horse so you know there <laughs> there was just a field of grass for for their pet horse to go and hang out on and that's pretty pretty much it other than you know buildings
1: so you had to tear up more grass
0: yep my favorite thing literally
1: like you know the day after we
0: moved here pretty much we, we went straight to grass murdering. <laughs>
1: um, as far as your plans now, you know, I, I know you're you last year you started far, farming full time, essentially, and, and trying to treat it more like a well, business. <laughs> <pseudo> <laughs> is sure it is. this year that you're really making the leap?
0: Yeah, well, so we moved here in July and a big part of the move was we took all of our plants with us. I've been collecting kind of permaculture, perennial plants for like the last handful of years. So and plus we had no grass in our front yard and our entire backyard was vegetable garden. So we we needed to do some work to make it look a little bit more sellable, less 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 like a homestead, more like more like a normal urban home. So we spent probably two months digging up and transplanting everything over to this property, which took up, you know, the entire kind of growing season. Um, and then the plan all winter was to get ready for growing this year. But,
1: and and now what what's that like that preparation?
0: Um, it made my head hurt. <laughs> I, had, I there was like a week where I had like headaches because <laughs> I was thinking too hard. Because I I have no farming experience. Like I've had a vegetable garden for 15 years, but there's a huge difference between growing a garden and having a farm. And so I I needed to decide what it was we were gonna grow like how we were going to grow it, how we're going to market it, where we're going to market it, you know, like when, when do I have to plant the things to be able to have them available for the first market? What's involved in being able to have those things I want to grow for the first market ready for the first market. It's I'm still at this point working out all the details. I've been really surprised how many tiny little things you'd never think about there is to think about before you, before you get into all of this, you know, you, you hear like Kurt Curtis stone talk about starting a farm and, you know, he, he has an entire book and it tells you how to start a farm. And I read it and I was like, this is amazing. Like now I'm ready. And then you realize, no, that was just like, that's just the overview. Now you need to find the answers to all the questions that you didn't even realize you needed to know.
1: I, you know I, I think you're you're spot on with that of you know you read that book or you you see yeah whether it's yeah Curtis Stone or or Fortier or you know Joel Saladin like and people will go through that content and be like wow here's the playbook i just need to go out there and execute and then always realize oh, it's not that easy you got to adjust to your own context there's all sorts of other variables that you have to control for and and a lot of people get frustrated um, have you, how do you, how did you push through that once you kind of came to that realization?
0: I, it, you just, you got to keep going, you know, like the, having a farm is the end goal. So if, if I need to, you know, A, B, C, D all the way to the end of the alphabet and then <laughs> A A again, like you just have to keep working through the questions as they pop up or else, you never get to the end goal. If, if I want to have a farm, I have to do everything it takes to have a farm. Right. It's yeah. just, it's yeah, it's, it's five year plan. You don't have a farm in a year. You have a farm in five years. So, you it's, know, i am
1: Yeah. That makes me yeah. feel good to hear that. Cause that, that's been one of the things, you know, this past spring, like last year, 2018, that was like my first year up here and, you know, got some things going with, you know, with ducks and trying to get it going. But it's like, it was a struggle. And as I'm looking now in, in sort of the spring this year and what I want to do, um, you know, trying to figure out how to push through and how to tr- sort of turn a profit and not lose money. Those are the, those are the tough things. And, and it's really hard to do it in that first year, especially when you don't have the experience.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd say maybe one of my, my tricks is that I a hundred percent expect to lose money. Like, I'm like, there's no world in which I'm not losing money this year. And there's no world in which I'm not losing money next year. The goal is maybe that I'll break even on year three, but I don't really expect to break even or turn a profit really until year five is the big picture.
1: Now, now for the person though who's the skeptic and who's seeing what you're doing and saying, gosh, you know, that's several years of, of not even turning a profit and then you're probably never going to get rich doing it. Why do it? I
0: mean, like obviously I deal, like I make content for the internet. So like, I, I hear that all the time and it makes me laugh because I mean, another thing too, is this property wasn't cheap. Like it, the buying property in in this area is like super expensive, so there there this wasn't a low risk move, which almost makes it easier to be committed to it but um i'm just I'm always surprised at people who say that's gonna be a lot of hard work and and they think that's a reason not not to do it you know i I think about like i think i like I wrote to you once um now I'm just trying to think of what it was. Uh, it's, it's hard to be proud of like l- easy luxury, right? It's, that's, that's kind of it. Like when people are like, that's going to be a lot of hard work. It's like, yeah, we bought a farm because we wanted to work. We're literally paying money to work our butts off. Like. Well, it, there's only there's only so much you can do with money. Right. So what are you going to do with your life?
1: And, and, and I remember the debate that sort of where, where that note came from, where because, yeah, it, it was all about I think I, I was like carrying buckets by hand. And people are like, yeah. that's crazy. Why would you carry water <laughs> buckets by hand?
0: But, I was like, that's a great idea. No, I need but, to work on my back. Yeah, there, <laughs>
1: there's, there really is a virtue in, in the hard work and the labor of it all and the product that comes from it. And so you're almost pursuing a re- reward that's beyond just the basic tangibles of where you're used to, well, I punched in and punched out at my job and I got my paycheck and that's my reward. Ta-da.
0: Yeah.
1: It, it, and a lot of this type of stuff, it, it's much more about like the personal satisfaction that you get, that sense of accomplishment that you get. And the money is, if you can make it work, is nice. Just try not to lose yeah. too much is really what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, I mean it never gets easier than the 9 to 5. The it never gets easier than the rat race. You know, like so if 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 you if you want things to be easier, you like taking on a big project isn't necessarily the way to do it, but you do it cuz it's satisfying. You do it because it's incredibly satisfying to be tired at the end of the day, to be, you know, to go to bed cuz you're tired there that's that's worth money you pay money for that
1: i I think that's that's very well said (laughs) now i think that the first time i ever came across one of your videos on youtube it was you dressed up in like a 1800s dress uh talking about people not being true homesteaders and (laughs) You know, sort of a controversy that came out at the time of, you know, you know, it was one channel saying, hey, you know, people aren't real homesteaders or so they're just playing homesteader. Um, what's your take on that realm of of people saying, well, that's homesteading and this isn't and this is real and this is not. And people are just monkeying around and playing versus, you know, doing something seriously. I mean, <laughs> You know, I. Oh, you're you're just cracking up because I dug deep and found that video.
0: <laughs> no, I mean that's one of my biggest viewed videos, um, and you know, like I laugh at it because it's if you're gonna do something to to be able to identify by some, or I guess the better way to do say it is you're doing something so that someone else will identify you that way. That's kind of a silly thing to do. Right. Um, if you're not if you're not identifying yourself, like if if you're looking for outside people to give you the validation of who you are and what you do, that's you know you're not going to get very far with that. So you know at a certain point it doesn't matter if if like you know someone doesn't consider you a homesteader, but you consider yourself a homesteader. It's like who who cares, you know. <laughs> I mean I'm like i I make videos where I put myself on the internet like doing ridiculous things like all the time, and it's if if I was upset about the fact that someone saw that and thought I was ridiculous that I think it w- the problem would be with me, you know like why why am I doing ridiculous things on the internet if if I'm gonna care that people think they're ridiculous? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another another thing, too, about that video and kind of like, you know, I've been sticking my foot in my mouth for a while now because we started our original channel on the concept that you shouldn't buy a farm. We started our original channel completely on the concept that it's a stupid thing to buy a farm. And then a year later, we go and we buy a farm. So, <laughs> No,
1: know, I, I, I know what you mean. And, and, and I think when you make uh, videos, it becomes this you know, nice record, but sometimes a damning rep record. I mean, I, I've, I've done stuff where I've, I've been like, I will never ever get a tractor. And now I'm starting to think mm, maybe I should get a tractor. My life would be so much easier. <laughs> and, and that stuff just comes back to bite you.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the goal I think in life in general is to like live authentically and, um, you know, to do that on the internet, it means that maybe you want to be careful about like what you say uh, and, and what you do. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you're allowed to change your mind, right? Like, yeah, I, I imagine if, you know, the internet's still the way it is 20 years from now and I can look back at myself, you know, in hindsight, I'll be like, Oh my God, 35 year old Serena. Like she knew nothing. Now that I'm at this wise age of 55, I I know so much better, and I can see all the mistakes that she made.
1: Yeah, no, I, th- I think yeah, it's one of the only inevitabilities that you'll always look at your past self and be like, oh, what was I doing? Or what was I thinking?
0: <laughs> see, I I kind of have the opposite problem, and I think it like it might be just like because I'm arrogant, but I'm like, oh yeah. Like, all those, all those decisions I made in the past, like, genius. Great decisions. Like, I in no way regret doing those things. I'm like, oh, I was so on the ball. I had a community garden at 20. Like, amazing. There's nothing,
1: there's nothing like being historically right, you know? So, um, tell me, why do you make ridiculous content on the internet?
0: <laughs> so... We had, I started an Instagram account because I'm a really bad gardener and I I never keep track of anything. And I'm also too lazy to start a gardening journal. So I I just started an Instagram account to be my gardening journal. I knew I'd be able to flip back and see like what was happening at this time of the year. And then people just liked it, which I I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, like, because as I was saying, everyone has a garden. So I didn't I didn't even have the biggest garden out of my friends group, but people on the internet were like, Wow, your garden, it's insane, it's amazing. I've never seen a garden like this. And I was like, Oh, well, here'd see more pictures if you'd like. And then our friend Kurt, he who's, you know, been making videos forever, he was like, Oh, you should make videos too. So I was like, Well, oh, sure, why not? <laughs>
1: Now, one of the things I appreciate about your videos, too, is that that you will, you know, talk not just about the what's happening on your farm and what you've been doing or what you've been growing, but also your points of view and kind of your view on the world. What's that been like opening up on that front? You know, has, has you found it to be sort of a lightning rod? Have you found it to be an opportunity for conversations? Like, what's the experience been like?
0: We We go on Reddit. So Reddit can be like a really... Like, unfriendly place to talk to people. So we weren't expecting YouTube to be as friendly as it actually was. Um, so we were, we were willing to say things that people were gonna dislike. We were willing to say things that people disagreed with and hear about it. Um, our, our kind of view in making videos is if you make something that no one is going to disagree with, you're not necessarily going to make anything that anyone strongly agrees with. And we we started making content because we wanted to find people that were like us. We wanted to have conversations with people who, you know, had a similar view to us or or that our view appealed to. So we were kind of willing to say things that other people wouldn't like like the fact that we uh, we support <laughs> Pure Living for Life. <laughs> Back to that video. <laughs> you know, like, I, I think a lot of truths in general, you, it's hard to say true things because a lot of people don't want to hear the truth, but I think there's value in it, in, in saying it and hearing it, so...
1: Yeah, and, and I will say, too, I think there's another aspect of it where... Um, I think so often, especially in this day and age, we polarize and we cluster off with people who have like minds as ourselves, and we can't accept or appreciate an opposing view or a different view than our own, and that then makes it harder to even try to see eye to eye. Versus, okay, you've got an opinion, and but you know, I think pure living for life is that's rubbish, you know, <laughs> like like whatever, like yeah, I they can never fi- finish that house, like that type of. Thing, it, I think it's okay to have that out there, but it seems like there's very much a mentality in this day and age of no. If somebody has a different viewpoint, they are the enemy in, in terms of kind of ideology.
0: Yeah, it's it's very easy to uh, niche down on people who will support your view, in in whatever your view is, in in good ways and bad ways. Um, you know, and and I think that people they they have this idea that they have a lot of privacy. So it it becomes easy to to say things that you maybe wouldn't say to someone face to face. I think like that's another value that I get from making content on the internet. It's the fact that if I'm saying it like publicly, it's, you know, it, it should be something that I'm willing to say publicly. I'm not making a rude comment on someone's video I'm actually putting my face out there and I'm I'm saying these things you know I'm not hiding hiding behind a screen even though I guess you know it's all screens but <laughs>
1: not an avatar perhaps I don't know something like that <laughs> um so, so so what's next for you guys as you're you're looking forward out say five to you know as you're thinking 20 years <laughs> out like where where do you hope all this ends up going
0: I mean big picture, like I wanna be in the compost pile. Like I'd never wanna leave. Like I I never wanted to leave our other place. So I was like, okay, we we made one more move, let's never move again. Um, you know, five years from now. It would be nice if the property was kind of starting to come together into what we wanna do with it. Um it's two and a half acres, so having two and a half acres is the amount of space that we can fill um, as long as we're, we're focused, you know, it's a, it's a manageable size to use the entire thing. So in, in five years, it would be nice if we kind of have the plan set out 10 years, you know, everything's manicured <laughs> 20 years, like the kids take over, <laughs> but you know, it's... You, know it's, you need to be flexible. I think, you know, like, Ian Ian was kind of like getting annoyed with me because I've been having nightmares that we get our soil test back and our entire property is contaminated and I can't grow food, <laughs> even though I spent the entire winter planning to grow food. So I'm like, well, if the ground's contaminated, like, we're planting this, and if we find out at the end of this year that I'm really bad at farming, and therefore, like, I don't have the skill set that we need to farm, then the plan is this. And he's like, how can you have so many plans if like, you have this one thing that you're working towards? And And I think it's because the plan is to build a life here. So it's there's not one set thing that really matters more than, you know, doing a thing that works and is comfortable.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good point because, you know, like trying to nail down the five year plan can often be really hard because there's so many twists and turns and, you know, we could have a drought or, you know, you could get injured or yeah, you could get a horrible soil test back. Um, But then to your point, it's like having that end in mind you know, one of the things I have talked about before in videos is my ultimate dream is that at 104 years old, I walk off into the woods in the back of our property and get eaten by a bear. Like that would be, everything would be like, that would be my ultimate dream where I've lived this great life here on the farm, built some things up. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but at the end of the day, it's enabled me to be able to walk all the way back there and have some bear return me to the That that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's being open to, the, to whatever those twists and turns are.
0: Yeah. If you have too solid of a plan, then it just, it makes life stressful when the plan doesn't work out. And, you know, the goal is to make life not stressful, <laughs> enjoying yourself, <laughs> not like grinding yourself to, to dust.
1: <laughs> At least too soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So, so, you know, I...
0: I don't have any expectations that my back will make it as long as I want it to.
1: <laughs> so for, for somebody who's out there listening to this podcast uh, and they're in the rat race and they're dreaming of, you know, having their own farm or starting their own farm or homestead, what advice would you have for them beyond, you know, don't get too fixed on the plan?
0: I mean, I, I know I said that, you know, I stuck my foot in my mouth with my first channel where I said, don't buy a farm. And then I went and bought a farm. Um, but I, I do think that what we were speaking to there still holds true, which is, um, what, what is it that you're hoping to achieve? Like, cause I've heard lots of people speak to me and say, the rat race is too hard. I just wish that I could like sit out on my farm and, you know, like put my feet up and have a beer. And I don't think that that's a reality. So it's, you know, it's kind of what what is what's your goal? It's, it's one thing to dream of having a farm. But what what is it that that dream is? Because maybe maybe the dream isn't having a farm, maybe the dream is just scaling back on work. And maybe that's a lot easier to do financially without buying a farm. You know, or or maybe the dream is that you wish you could grow some food and you don't have to buy a farm to do that. Like we grew the majority of our fruits and vegetables in a 2000 square foot garden in the back of our urban urban home. And that that was hugely satisfying. So I think the my if I could give one piece of advice, it would be to try to question what you want more because maybe what you think you want isn't isn't the easiest solution to to getting getting that satisfaction that you're looking for
1: I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. You know, anytime I talk to Serena, I just really enjoy it and I learn a lot from her perspective and her way of thinking about things. It's different than my own and, and I really appreciate that. And I appreciate having a friend who's willing to share that perspective like she is. If you guys want to learn more about the Goldshaw Farm podcast, I definitely encourage you to check out our facebook group uh the goldshaw farm podcast you can find it on there and join uh we're just a number of us are starting to have a regular conversation about things and and really would appreciate if you guys tagged along and you might even learn a thing or two also i appreciate all of these awesome reviews that are coming in on apple itunes stitcher spotify google Play. one thing, and I've gotten a couple of messages from you guys out there who are struggling with this. If you want to leave a review on Stitcher, apparently you need to log in through the website. You can't do it through the app. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just one of those funky design quirks, but whatever. Regardless, guys, I really appreciate that you're taking the time to listen to these. I hope you're getting some value out of them. If you if you have any thoughts and you want to share them with me, uh, be sure to shoot me an email. You can always email me at Goldshaw Farm at gmail.com. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. There's lots of great stuff, especially if you hear these podcasts and wonder who I am and what we're doing with our farm. uh, Go check out the Goldshaw Farm YouTube channel. Uh, In fact, I just put out a new video the other day all about the lessons I've learned after the first year of keeping ducks. Um, We have a number of ducks here on our farm, and I think there's some interesting things that I've discovered from my experience with ducks, and so I decided to put together a a quick rundown of all those things, so be sure to check that out. And with that, I will ask my good friend Keith Pierce to play us out with our theme song. Thanks, and have a great week, and I will talk to you guys soon. It's got a soul, this here old farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We
0: work the fields under the stars. Here at Goldshaw Farms, city
1: life yet had its charms. But we would dream of the fields under the stars. I fall asleep inside its arms. The love is
0: here at Goldshaw Farms. The love is
1: here at Goldshaw Farms.